1: Welcome to the Gloria Purvis podcast, where we talk about the issues in the Catholic Church and in society that matter to you and to me. And I'm glad you're here to have that conversation with me. My guest today is Sherilyn Holloway. Sherilyn is the founder of Pro-Black, Pro-Life. Their goal is to create conversations that build trust and open the line of effective communication around difficult issues. I wanted to speak with Sherilyn because we don't often talk about the pro-life movement from the specific perspective of Black women or Black people. And I know that as a committed pro-lifer and someone who's also very much a lover of Black people, that she would make a good person to discuss this issue. And she can share some of her experiences in the movement as well as my own. And we try to debunk a lot of myths in particular around Black women, Black motherhood, Black poverty and all of those types of things that are often used to really make a argument that the problems with the black community is that it has a deficient culture, rather than that these are external problems or systemic problems or structural problems that affect the black community. And also what it's like to be in the movement when people make these kinds of incorrect, broad cultural swipes, That seem more like strains of racism and white supremacy than actual serious reflections on the issues that are impacting the community. And we also really look at whether or not Black women are these bunch of abortion-loving, abortion-seeking people, or is it something else? Are these Black women wanting to keep their children while at the same time also battling through difficult circumstances like poverty? So I'm glad that I could have this conversation with Sherilyn, another Black woman who's pro-Black and pro-life. The Gloria Purvis Podcast is a production of America Media, where real, honest conversations are happening on the most important issues at the intersection of the church and the world. And that's unique. You hear a lot of different perspectives, like those of Sherilyn, a pro-Black, pro-life activist. I mean, where else are you going to hear that in a really honest and open way? We're trying to create spaces for these conversations. So if that's meaningful to you, please support it by getting a digital subscription to America. How do you do that? Go to americamagazine.org slash subscribe and sign up today. The link is in the show notes. Stick around. My conversation with Sherilyn Holloway is up next. Sherilyn, I'm so glad you could be with me on the podcast today. Thanks for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Always a pleasure, Gloria. You know, I think people probably hear pro-Black, pro-life, and they're like, what? And I think it's important for people to understand experiences that people may have in the pro-life movement and what may lead someone to say, you know, there needs to be something that's decidedly pro-Black. So just as a matter of context, can you help people understand what maybe you experienced in the pro-life movement that made you realize or say, you know, there needs to be the emphasis that there is a part of the movement that's pro-Black?
0: Yeah, sure. So in 2017, I became the executive director of my local pregnancy center. And before that, I had worked in a pregnancy center in the D.C. area, But they didn't really talk about the issues as pro life or pro choice issues. It was kind of just, we're trying to help women choose life instead of abortion. I didn't, I had no idea that there was like an entire movement Mm -hmm. until I got the position as the executive director and began to go to different conferences and start to hear this term. What term?
1: What term are you referencing?
0: To be pro life. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it wasn't until I accepted that job where. I was like, oh, well, yeah, this is what I I am pro-life. So I guess I'm a part of this group of people that want women to be able to make a choice for life and have barriers broken down in front of them. The racial issue didn't really come up until about 2018 when I went to a pro-life women's conference Mm -hmm. and stopped by a booth and got some statistics on abortion in the Black community. And I was floored by the numbers and i just kept thinking to myself like this is so odd that nobody in the black community is talking about this and i'm originally from oberlin ohio and we do a lot of work when it comes to racial justice we were a part of the underground railroad we're very proud of that Mm -hmm. so at a very early age we are taught that black history is more than just about slavery and so i'm thinking like i grew up with all these things why had i never heard this before so when I went back and I first you know, started with my staff, like, did you guys know this? And they were like, oh yeah, we knew this. So it was very well known in the pro-life community, but not outside of that. Whenever I would go to functions or events, I tended to be one of maybe two African-Americans in the room and yeah. people would flood to me and ask like, how do we reach the black community? And it's like, well, as I guess as the, nominated spokesperson for the Black community at this event, um, (laughs) I will say, I don't know. (laughs) Um, And so it really began to bother me that there's this question of why isn't the Black community enraged about this? So I've continued to have these conversations with people, and the same thing kept coming out, that those people only care about Babies when they're unborn.
1: When you would have these conversations with other black people, yes, this is what they're saying to you, is that those people over there, those yeah. pro life people, only care that the baby's born, but after that, what?
0: They don't care anymore. They don't care about us, and you can see it and how they react on social media when it comes to police brutality or other things. You see the they're kind. It's not apathetic, but it's almost like it just doesn't line up. It doesn't make sense, and so. I don't mm-hmm. want to be like that. If being pro-life means I'm going to be like that, that's not how I feel. Like, I care mm-hmm. that people are murdered in the street. I care about people who are in poverty. I care about kids and education. So if being pro-life means I have to act like that, I don't want to be pro-life.
1: And by that, you mean, in some cases, having what may be perceived as an animus about it or just like, eh, don't care. That doesn't even rate on our scale of concerns type of thing. Well,
0: not it's, not it's not a concern because the argument was always, well, what difference does it make if the baby doesn't make it out the womb? And so if I care about both, there has to be at least one other person that cares about both. Right. And so that's kind of where my I would like to say my little fire was lit on the issue where I was like, there has to be other people. And I would talk to people and they would say, of course, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Of course we care about that. But nobody was leading it. So that's a little bit of the background of how I got to a place where I realized something had to be
1: built. Yeah. And myself being Catholic and coming in through the pro-life movement that way and like you being like one (laughs) you know, in a crowd. If I did see another black person, they weren't Catholic, which was fine with me. We had so much in common and we would talk about stuff. But I will say the experience that I had was also people asking me questions in a way that were kind of off-putting. So I remember once going to a March for Life, let me tell you, Sherilyn, I had gone all around the mulberry bush and just every Black person I saw at any Catholic church, I ran up on them and was like, hey, you're gonna come for the March for Life? Da, 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 da. You know, girl, I was like, <laughs> if you were Black and I saw you in church, you were not getting out of there without an invitation to the March for Life. So I had rustled up a pretty sizable crowd of Black people to come for, we had a Mass for Life and then to stay afterwards and go down to the March for Life. And I remember when the march was starting, this white gentleman comes up to us and basically lectures us. Instead of Martin Luther King Jr. was alive, he would be here. And it was, I was like, oh, please, why? Because he didn't greet us as fellow marchers, but it was more like a lecture as to why we needed to be here. And when I turned around and looked at all the other black people, I could already see on their face, they're like, we ain't never coming back to this. And the reason is, you well know, is if someone doesn't approach you as, a fellow marcher, but rather somebody that they have to talk down to. It's just like, we don't need that extra stress, you know? And I will also say, one of the things I think you and I have talked about before is how Black people are presented or perceived within the movement. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: So when I would go to these different conferences, the only time I would see Black people even you know, presented with a microphone as if they were either post-abortive or they had left like an abortion clinic. And so there wasn't anyone who, you know, entered into this movement via their religious beliefs or just, you know, their own personal moral beliefs that, you know, that's a human life. It was always kind of like, look who we rescued. Mm. And so in the flip side of that, it was very easy for people to become tokenized right? Like Mm. it's very easy for them to be like, oh, a black person who's pro-life, let me attach you to my organization or whatever it is, because now we can put your face on our website and people can see that we're diverse and black people Mm -hmm. really do care. And the reality is, is that the moment you kind of stepped out of their little box, then it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is not what you're supposed to do. And when people would approach me and say, why aren't more black people like enraged about this or how do we reach the black community? I would just look at them and say, well,
1: you got to get black people to do it. Right, And that they did not like that. Well, I mean, it's interesting. You say when you step outside that box and for our listeners, what we mean is there is a very tightly defined box that some people would like black people to fit into if they are, say they're pro-life meaning you don't talk about racism and its impact on the Black community. And I have experienced that in spades, you know, but I'm like, it makes no sense. Why would you think that I wouldn't care about these issues if I say I believe in the dignity of the human person and I respect life from the womb to the tomb? How could I not also have an opinion and speak to those things? And I had sort of like my, you know, that James Baldwin, I am not your Negro moment. (laughs) You know, like, wait a minute now, I'm going to say what I believe and what I think. And it does not diminish in any way my values that are pro-life. But I really appreciate when you talk about the tokenization of Black people or this like You know, we're going to go and save these Black people. The white savior mentality, I think, is what some people call it. And that is actually quite off-putting, I think. You know, that's not a way of dialogue. You're not approaching someone as a peer or an equal in those cases. Yeah,
0: so it's super easy because of the numbers and to realize that the more people that you have that look like the target audience, people feel comfortable. And to kind of excuse lived experiences as not the point, right? So when people say it doesn't matter if they don't make it out the womb, well, you're talking to people who are going to give birth, whose kids are going to make it out the womb. And what then? And so the majority of my community are saying things like, well, I believe that it's life. I believe that women should be able to have their babies. But what happens when they are in poverty? And the same group of people do not want to help with food assistance or housing assistance. Like, what happens then? And being able to have a conversation from within and say, you're right, right? You're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. That is an issue.
1: Cheryl, let me ask you, is it don't want to help or people perceive as actively working against the kinds of public policies that would provide assistance for people who are poor?
0: I think when you talk to someone who is more educated on the issues, they would Mm -hmm. say actively working against. I think when you're Mm -hmm. speaking to someone, you know, your neighbor or, you know, someone in your church, they would just say, like, they don't want to help. I think I remember... Representative Jackson saying the same thing.
1: Katrina Jackson out of Louisiana. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep, saying the same thing. Like she's in there and she's fighting for, you know, life issues. But then Republicans on the other side are not helping her on some of the other policy issues that would actually help (laughs) when the baby was born and how frustrating that can be for her.
1: So for our listeners who are unaware, Katrina Jackson is an elected representative from Louisiana who is a Black woman, who is pro-life, and who is also a Democrat. And so that's the context when, we, when we're when we talking about her and what she's talking about and dealing with, working with her Republican colleagues. Yeah, I've heard her mention that too, that she's like, you know, we'll agree that we should protect the child's life in the womb, but then something happens after the baby is born where that she just sees a disconnect. And she's like, well, how can you, you know, work with me on this? We have the same values. This is just an extension of what we're talking about. Yeah. And
0: so what I've done with Pro Black Pro Life is I have created this platform where, There is no political alliance. There's no political Mm -hmm. alliance. You know, we are a ministry, we are Christian, but we are here for everybody. And so we welcome everybody. We want there to be a space for you to be able to wrestle through all racial injustice, Mm -hmm. including racial injustice within the womb. Mm -hmm. And so we have found from doing that that there are thousands who have identified with us, and we know that there are tens of thousands more that feel like they have found a place. I've received messages and emails from individuals just saying like, thank you for putting words to what I've been feeling or thinking all these years.
1: So I know there are going to be people saying, but why pro-Black? What does that even mean? Yeah. So
0: it means that we are here for the advancement of the Black community and we care about family, We care about your children, we care about education, we care about healthcare, we care about all the systemic racial issues that are happening in the Black community, and we want to help build up the Black community to help itself from within. And so, actually, I mean, it's pro-life, right? For life. So I just figured Mm -hmm. we're for the Black community as well. Most of the people in the Black community are interested and impacting their own communities. Yes. And so when we talk about this is what we're doing, but we need to acknowledge the elephant in the room that people have been talking about us and at us, but no one has been talking to us
1: about the abortion issue. We'll be back in a minute. Sometimes in these conversations, what you see is a coded language that tries to portray the Black community as just hopelessly broken around issues of marriage, family, and childbearing. And there was a graph that this guy put out that showed unwed births and income and race. And Black women had the lowest income and the highest number of births outside of marriage, according to this chart. And the person was trying to basically say the problems with the Black community is because of their because of this, because of which is the message of somehow we're promiscuous, irresponsible, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. But I when I saw the chart, I thought, yay, black women are pro life and choosing to have babies even if their salaries are lower. Right. And I was thinking, why aren't all these other communities following suit? And I thought, you know, the pro life movement in the United States has to get itself together. Uh-huh. We want women to have babies even in difficult circumstances. Then when women do have babies and they're lower income, that they're the problem. Right. It seemed like to me, frankly, I'll just be blunt. It seemed like there was a racist narrative really being put forward in the sharing of that chart that those of us who are Black and pro-life and have been in the movement have seen that those kinds of talking points even within the movement. And you're like, What are you saying? Either you want us to choose life or you don't. I mean, what is it? So the reality is we can't
0: fix this. So let's demonize it, right? Like we can't fix this problem. We can't go, we being, you know, white America can't go in and fix the problem with black women having abortion. So instead, let's demonize it. Let's make all of this their fault. Here's the problem. Here's this overwhelming issue that nobody's going to be able to fix. And that's the problem. Where the reality is that women in poverty, specifically Black women in poverty, do not want to abort their babies. Right. Period. Mm -hmm. And we have done a crappy job, specifically the churches in these communities, on embracing them, specifically single motherhood. You cannot say how terrible single motherhood is and then expect people to want to be single mothers when they find themselves unwed and pregnant. Right. Where is the Mm -hmm. discipleship? Where are we walking alongside these women and saying, yes, this happened. We're going to walk alongside you and we're going to help you disciple you to create a better life for yourself and your child when it comes to your relationship with Christ. Right.
1: Mm.
0: Nobody wants to be a single mom. Right. It's hard. Yeah. Like I was a fake single mom. I call it a fake single mom because my first marriage ended and I was a single mom and their father was very active. Like it was I call it a fake. Like I wasn't even a real single mom. (laughs) because <laughs> like, he was very active in their lives and helping you because he was very active and he paid more than he needed to in child support but there were times when I, it was hard even within the house yeah. and so I can't imagine for someone who doesn't have even the smallest amount of support to be able to want to walk through that right like we have all been in relationships we've all been in love where we thought that person was different they were the one, it was going we had this huge fantasy and it blew up in our face like, imagine that for every single, yeah. single mom out there right now. Like, just let that be right. at the forefront, right? Let it be love and understanding and a gentle heart. And I always say, I am a data snob, but then I have to bring the humanness to it. Right. And when you just look at a number and you put little heads on it, and then you start making determinations for people's lives out of just the number, you're doing a grave disservice. And it does become like this microaggression of like, well, See, look at these numbers. There's nothing we can do. That's Mm -hmm. honestly how, when I see things like that, that's what
1: I think. I agree because I was thinking people say, why are these poor women having babies? I'm like, why are they poor? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you look at the time that they were, I think, talking about benefits and social security and things like that, the people who worked in agriculture and I want to say maid service were excluded. And that was largely Black women. And so not having like sick leave and all these extra benefits is much more difficult in terms of rearing children and being able to take care of yourself and wages were suppressed. All these kinds of things come into the whole issue of poverty. But then the other part of it, though, that I was thinking about in this conversation about abortion, I think we sort of touched on it before, is that people really see like if you are pro-life, you're a conservative Republican. Yep. And if you are pro-choice or pro-abortion, you're a Democrat, you know, progressive Democrat. Do you think that that also weighs heavily into how Black people see the movement and why they may or may not get involved Absolutely. in the pro-life side? Absolutely.
0: It's very, very true. So my first, like, appearance to the world was on, like, ABC nighttime Special. Like that was like literally my first experience was like this national special. Mm -hmm. And what it did was it released something in people to say, wait, she is not saying those talking points that we hear on Fox News or we see clips of because people these, you know, people are watching Fox News. They're seeing the clips on their like Facebook feed. Right. And watching like this is ridiculous. This person doesn't know anything about the black community or, you know, this person doesn't speak for me. And they're pro-life and I, you know, I care about abortion, but I don't want people to think I'm like that person. So I'm never going to say, you know, and so people choose other words. They're like, you know, well, you know, I'm pro-whole life or something like that. And I refused, mm. I refused to let somebody determine what that was going to mean for me. Pro-life is for life. So for me, it means if something is living and breathing and is the image bearer of God, it has value. And I'm for you. Mm -hmm. So once people get to understand that, like it becomes more of an empowerment thing. Like you don't get to tell me what I am. People always ask me, the first question they always ask me, did you vote for Trump?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Oh God, really? And they ask
0: me that for themselves, not for me. Like, are you conservative? Oh, Oh, they're trying to size you up. They're trying to decide whether they like me or not. And I refuse to answer because what you're trying to do is determine whether or not you like me or you feel like we can be in this together.
1: So what do you think, what do you mean by that? Like, is somebody asking you if you voted for Trump? What do you think they're trying to assess about you? And I'm assuming you're saying somebody else who's in the pro-life movement is asking you if you voted for Trump. Oh, both. Oh, okay. Both. Mm-hmm.
0: They're trying to determine if I'm someone that they can be down with. Mm. Do you follow the same party lines I follow? Do you have the same ideals that I have? Like, I am pro-life. What else do you need to know? Mm.
1: Boy, that's a difficult one, I think, when you realize that somebody is trying to, I don't know, put you in a box, I guess. Oh, all the time. And I think that's the one thing that by saying right out, jump, pro-Black, pro-life. Like, look, Black people, we love you. We're not seeing you suspiciously. We don't see you as a token to be used. We are for you in every aspect of your life, for your flourishing. And I get that. I think that's really important. And look, I know you're not Catholic, but I'm curious what advice you have for a community like the Catholic Church, which is really just as divided as Americans are more broadly, you know?
0: Yeah. I would just say, don't be afraid. Like this whole idea that it's too much, right? It's too much to care about. Like, that's what we're called to do. We're called to that. And so- you have to know in your heart, in your heart, in your heart, what's right and what's wrong. And so being able to have courage enough for to stand in the gap for what is right, you do it while you're afraid, until you're no longer afraid. And that's what I started doing. You know, I had talked to a bunch of people that were pro-life, realized that most of them weren't on the same page with me with the whole pro-Black thing. And they asked the same question. They were like, why pro-Black?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> like it's not anti-white. Right. Despite what your brain thinks, it's not anti-white. So look, I think this is a very important point to emphasize because too often when people say pro-Black, it is perceived as anti-white because there is a pro-white movement that is decidedly anti-Black. And people can't conceive that Black people live in this country under different terms than white people do. And to say you're pro-Black does not mean you're anti-white. It means you love the Black community, which for far too long has been an object of derision, exclusion. We've been harmed. And so we're coming in and saying, "Uh uh-uh, we love ourselves. We love this community. It does not mean we love to the exclusion of any other community, but we realize that this community itself is in need of being loved, which is a very different thing. I mean, we see that with like Black Lives Matter, right? Yeah. Just the phrase. Oh my gosh. The people are like, well, all lives matter. What do you mean Black Lives Matter? You're trying to say white lives matter? No. And also to be fair, that the All Lives Matter came up as a retort against Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter was not a retort right. against anything. Black Lives Matter was more of a, of a cry for, look, yep. our lives matter too.
0: Yes. And I think, you know, the other thing about that is that saying like meant that you were like a card-carrying donor to like the Black Lives Matter organization. Like even oh, yeah, or, small organization. or yeah. <laughs> if you were like saying anything about racism, that you were like supporting Black Lives Matter. Now it's switched over. Like if you say anything about racism, like you support critical race theory. Like it's so Marxism. Re- it's stuff, so yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It is so, listen to everyone who's listening out there. Gloria nor I have received a memo that this is coded language.
1: Right. And none of the Black people we know got the memo.
0: Right. So you can go ahead
1: and put that one to rest. <laughs> yeah. Same with like wokeism, right? When people say, oh, they're woke, but they mean something else. Right. From what we mean, we say woke, well, we're awa- awake and sensitive to the suffering of others. Right. Let me just also say this, Sherilyn, which I think is important. When I first saw Pro-Black, Pro-Life, I immediately got it because I'm like, yeah, of course. But I realize there are also voices that have been elevated in the movement that have black faces or say they do, but their messages are decidedly, in my opinion, antagonistic toward black movements of justice, movements for justice for black people, and it hurts. Yeah, and I also am like. When they may be saying or identifying themselves as black or as black as Obama, as sometimes they say, but then they give these other messages. I'm like, you're not trying to reach the black community. You're trying to appease your current, the white community. community." And in my opinion, keep some people comfortable in their racism. Yeah. I mean, this is,
0: I feel like the blessing for me because I agree and it would frustrate me even more when they're like no I'm just talking to, to the black community and I'm like well if you just look on your like followers list you'll actually see who you're speaking to because how do people who don't follow you hear you mm. and so the thing I had to realize is that I'm not here for the pro-life community
1: mm, what do you mean by Am that
0: I, I'm not that's not why I'm here I reach outside of the pro-life community. So I never needed a mic handed to me from someone within the pro-life community to be able to speak or have a platform because that was never God's intention for me. And so my job is to get people to have a full understanding and awareness of it and to educate them on the issue while they're caring about everything else. So when they see police brutality or hear about you know, the mortality rate of black mothers given birth, when they get enraged about that, they can get enraged about what's happened in the Black community when it comes to abortion, also. And so I don't pay so much attention, I guess, to those in the pro life community that are speaking to my community.
1: Do you think that because our community experiences racism, you know, these kinds of attacks against our being, that there's a natural receptivity to the desire to defend life in the womb?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I have these two hour conversations with people all like groups of black women groups yeah. of black men and we're talking about this they always start off like disagreeing with you, right they first start off because it's a lot right that's a lot to handle that i'm getting ready to step in front of someone's choice that's what they're thinking right that's how they see it like but yeah like but i don't want to take that choice away like you're not taking their choice away you're bringing them the truth tell them the truth mm-hmm. like that's all i do is i'm just telling you the truth and here are the stats here are the numbers here's what's happening tell me why this doesn't make sense and they, they can't they're like, of course, of course, this is where they try to take us out at. Of course, there's just so much our community doesn't know, Gloria. There's so much that they just don't know. And myself and another friend, actually, he's like, "You really not think that they don't know that it's racist?" I was like, "They don't even know that this many women in their community are getting abortions. They don't even know why they're feeling like they're feeling the need to get abortions. They don't
1: know any of these things." Because we're too busy trying to make it, get the lights you know what on, I'm saying? keep our okay. kids in daycare, he- like. <laughs> Just trying to live, okay, trying to make it, you know, day to day. I don't think people maybe even get that. So it's like, okay, you're right. How am I going to keep the lights on? How am I going to, you know, those kind of just basic shelter, living questions, shelter, food, all that is what people are dealing with. But the notion that poor women, poor Black women don't want their children or that poor Black women somehow are unfairly handcuffed Mm -hmm. to poverty Mm -hmm. because of, having children, I think is something that has to be that narrative that we want these abortions as a false one that's being put on us in the names of freedom, in the name of being upwardly mobile. And I'm glad you're having the conversation say, look, this is the deal.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an intense conversation, but you also have to be willing to let people ask you questions and let you ask questions that are very difficult. If you may not have the Mm -hmm. answer to, or you may not feel like you have a good answer to, right i have a friend who was told her son had a 30 percent chance to live yeah. and you know nobody would have blamed her if she would have aborted at any point in time 30 percent chance is not much of a chance right and her fear was like if i give birth to this baby and the baby's not alive like i'm gonna be crushed and i already have another baby i gotta take care of another child i gotta take care of what kind of mother am i gonna be if i'm in depression because i let this baby you know have this type of delivery where they didn't even make it her mm-hmm. son's seven
1: and imagine if the idea the seductive idea that she wouldn't have gone through depression if she had an abortion right see that's yep. a seduction right that's like if you have this abortion everything will go back to like it was before and we know that's
0: a lie yeah and that's what i told i told her that the, the world health organization has some statistics i know this was true and i want to say it was 2019 that 60 percent of women that have abortions have some type of mental health issue anxiety depression yeah other triggers that have happened, and mm-hmm. so basically breaking down to them all the lies we've been fed, and how we just so naturally believe that if it's legal, everything must be okay, and it, we know it's not true. We know it's not. We've seen it not right. be true for other issues. This one because it's a <laughs> <Slavery>. medical, <laughs> because it's I a mean, medical <laughs> issue that people assume like, isn't it regulated? No, ma'am. No, it's not.
1: I have enjoyed so much talking with you. You know, I could talk with you forever Hours. and ever. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But I want people to know, how can they find out information about Pro Black Pro Life? Where would they find you?
0: They can go to the website. It's ProBlackProLife.com. Tons of information there. Instagram and Facebook are pro black, pro black life 1619 And I have a YouTube channel. So if you really kind of want to dig into like our values and how we think and how we see different issues, that would be the best place to go. And that is Pro Black Pro Life on YouTube.
1: I'm so, so glad that I have gotten to meet you. And I feel like a kindred spirit, another Black woman pro-life. And, and besides, we get on so yes. well. And you guys, we laugh a lot. Okay. <laughs> we, do, we laugh a lot. So Sherilyn, I am so, thank you for coming on the show and helping people understand why you felt that there was a need to have a specific organization within the pro-life movement called Pro-Black pro-life and who is and what his goals are. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Always a pleasure, Gloria.
1: I'm so glad you're tuning into the Gloria Purvis podcast and journeying with me through these important and sometimes challenging conversations. Please share this episode with a friend or family member. And be sure to subscribe to the Gloria Purvis podcast on your podcast app. Leave us a review if you can. I would love to hear from you. Oh, and by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Gloria underscore Purvis and on Instagram at I am Gloria Purvis. The Gloria Purvis podcast is a production of America Media. It's produced by Sebastian Gomes and engineered by Frank Tucson. You can learn more about America Media at americamagazine.org. We'll see you next time.